Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm the editor, Matt Hudson. We've got an excellent show for you today. We're speaking with Rick Bizio, who's a franchise coach and author of The Educated Franchisee, which can be a resource for franchise owners in the quick lube or other areas of the business. Rick speaks to me about uh, growth points that will happen as uh, franchise owners or quick lube operators move from, you know, a single location to multiple, uh, four, five, uh, ten, and beyond. And we talk about kind of the leadership roles that uh, people at the top of the organizations take on at each step and how that changes and how you can be most effective in each stage. It was an excellent interview. Rick was super informative. So take a listen. All right. We've got uh, Rick Bizio here for this uh, podcast episode of the Nolan Podcast. And uh, Rick and I spoke a while back for a magazine story about how uh how some leadership changes take place as people grow their franchises from say one to two units to four to five and beyond. Um, and I wanted to go over some of those points with you, but first I was hoping you could just tell me about your job uh, and your organization and what you guys do. Well, um, I've been involved in franchising uh, since 1994. Um, my, uh, my organization is called The Educated Franchisee. It's kind of named after my book, which was written in 2008. It's been one of the best-selling books on franchising. And what I've been doing predominantly is working with, you know, future business owners, people who want to become franchisees and trying to help them make smarter decisions. And uh, as they make a decision to get into business as to what type of business might give them the highest level of success. And um, and then I stay in touch with folks as they continue to grow their business and uh, have an opportunity to, you know, watch them grow in, in their role within the business. Yeah, uh, and that's a perfect uh, outlook for kind of the topic at hand. Um, you know, tell me about when uh, these franchise owners start out with uh, just a single unit, uh, kind of how their roles uh, are to begin with versus later on when we get to that. Yeah, you know, when a person opens their first location, um, there's a giant learning curve that they're sliding down. They're trying to figure out what it takes to get the business open. How do you hire your first employees? How do you, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is physical challenges, you know, the actual physical things of what do I do on a day-to-day -day basis and how does this business operate? It's like learning to drive, right? It's a, uh, you've got to really figure out all the, the details on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'd say in the first year, to two years. I, I really look at the first year as a foundation building year for any business owner. If they've not owned that business before, they're trying to understand what the foundational principles are of what makes that business work. And most of them are there each day. Uh, they're involved in the business. They're kind of have an operational capacity within their business. And they're trying to make sure that they you know, grow into experts in how to run that particular business format. And you know, the second year, generally, they start to kind of uh, say, okay, now I know what I'm doing. How do I grow it? How do I get to that next level with this particular business? And they start to ask those questions of what's next. Do you find that most of the uh, clients you work with are uh, new to that industry segment, that business? Almost always, uh, interestingly. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, in the world of franchising, that is true. In, in, in non-franchised businesses, if you're going to open up a business that is non-franchised, you're probably gonna open up a business in an industry you know, because you're not gonna have anyone to teach it to you. So you're gonna probably feel more comfortable in, in an industry you're familiar with. But in the world of franchising, the, you know, what you're buying is the rights to use the system, right? And the system should teach you what you need to know about the industry. What you normally bring 
is you bring the foundational skill sets. So if the primary skill set requirement is people management, you probably should know how to manage people before you get into the business um, because those foundational principles, sales, financial skills, people management, uh, organizational skills, those are pretty foundational. So that's where the match really should be. Um, yeah. but the industry, yeah, it's quite often. If you look at like haircutting industry, I don't know a single person that owns a haircutting salon who actually has a cosmetology license. None. <laughs> probably, and yeah. we're talking about oil changes, probably the same thing. Most of the people that open up franchised oil change places don't change their oil in their driveway. That's probably not their hobby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in fact, that's been one of the coolest things uh, about my job is just hearing how people get into uh, often the franchise uh, quick maintenance system and, and what led them there and what they were doing before. Um, but the, the majority of our readership, franchised or not, uh, tends to be a, a single unit owner. Um, so uh, I was curious, tell me about that jump from one to two units, um, because that uh, I feel like is a pretty big uh, step in the process to, to multi-unit ownership. Yeah. Jump from one to probably three, I think is the mm -hmm. hardest jump to make. Um, because when you're running one location, you are in the location, you are physically in that location all of every day or part of every day. And you can act as the acting manager of that location. Um, when you open up a second location, you, you can't be in both places at the same time, right? So you have to begin to manage the business as opposed to operate the business. You need to be able to start to empower your employees to run it when you're not there. Uh, you have to allow your employees to have the ability to make decisions and that's not easy. There's a lot of folks who are business owners. They like to be business owners because they like to make all the decisions themselves. And it's a lot of business owners have a hard time releasing the, the, the lease just a little bit. But when you only have two locations, you really don't have enough volume to hire a general manager to run your two locations for you. So you have to kind of replace yourself instead of being a, a unit level owner uh, where you're running everything yourself. You have to replace yourself and you have to move into that kind of manager role where you're managing your two or three managers um, and you have to kind of grow into really what's a very complete it's a very different role to be a manager of three locations as opposed to being an operator of one um, and some people are able to make that transition and some people aren't yeah it's interesting as you describe it it's almost like they're uh going through a maturation of uh moving through those leadership levels like they they are the manager of a single unit they become perhaps the general manager of three units themselves. Um, yeah. And then uh, hopefully by the time you hit four and five and beyond, you are uh, good at managing those uh, positions. But I would guess that there are other challenges that might arise. Yeah, I think that, you know, the art of growing a business is the art of replacing yourself. All right. So you have to look at what you're doing and saying, okay, I'm doing that now. I should not be doing whatever I'm doing right now. I should, probably shouldn't be doing that in a year. How do I replace myself? How do I find someone else to do this so I can go and do whatever the next most important thing is? So as an owner, you have to be able to continually grow. But once you get to four or five locations, it generally means that you have matured to the point where you are able to manage people, manage teams, manage your managers, manage a little bit more by the numbers. Um, and probably you have a key manager who's acting as a general manager across your three to five locations. Once you get to that point, your growth potential grows exponentially. 
A lot of times when people get to five, it's not uncommon they'll get to 10. I mean, there's people out there with 50, 80, 100 locations um, of, of different kinds of brands. And the reason is because they have grown to the point where they know how to hire, manage, and empower individual managers, and they know how to keep track of what's going on, and they know how to run using, you know, using numbers and matrices and performance um, uh, measures to know what's going on and where, the, the, where they need to spend their attention. You know, pay attention to trying to grow their business and maintain the business and that sort of thing. Um, you know, they they will even have you know internal fine um, uh, you know accounting. You'll have people who internally do all the accounting. You really grow into a uh, a pretty mature manager at that point. Yeah, uh, and you touched on something I wanted to ask about. Um, kind of the I guess support staff that you have in your your home office, your headquarters. Um, it, it can be. Uh, it can depend on the operation on when you bring some of those positions in, but I was curious uh, what to you might be uh, a very important position support staff to look at early on in that growth period. Wow, it really does depend on the, the business. I mean, generally your first role that you hire is some type of an administrative function where they're you know, handling all the small stuff so you can focus on the big stuff. Um, that's often what you'll find is, you know, the first person kind of a helper, somebody to manage your schedule, manage, you know, what needs to be done. Um, I think that the next thing often people, often people will bring in would be something uh, in the accounting uh, financial section, just to keep track of the numbers as to paying the bills. Um, I mean, it sounds, you know, I, it's not really a finance role as much as it is in accounting, paying the bills, keeping track of everything, providing reports that let you know where your cash flow is. You know, as you start to grow and you get larger, you need to be able to keep track of those things. Um, and you can't do them all yourself. These are uh, that type of knowledge. That's what I call siloed knowledge. Uh, in other words, these, this is the kind of knowledge that's deep as opposed to wide. And whenever you see uh, knowledge, it's siloed type knowledge. Most entrepreneurs do not jump in the silo. Most entrepreneurs don't want to become the attorney. They don't want to become the accountant. You know, they don't want to do this siloed, they want to hire people to do that. So you might have an, out, uh, an outsourced bookkeeper at the beginning, but eventually if you get large enough, you will bring that person in house. Um, and you, as, an, as a business owner, you really shouldn't be doing all the day-to-day -day stuff. Uh, you should be allowing them to use their siloed knowledge that allows you to focus on, you know, the, the bigger picture across the top. Yeah, you, uh, you once again touched on something uh, I was curious to ask about was that uh, it seems to me that in this kind of modern business climate, there are so many of those uh, roles that can be outsourced to a third party, like you mentioned accounting, you could have third party, you know, HR service or something like that. Um, yep. Has that been a growth uh, area that you've seen? And, and what is that kind of point where you want to bring it in house? Well, it's absolutely a growth area. I think that almost everything can be outsourced these days. Um, it's a matter of how much volume you have and how important it is to you as to whether you bring it in-house or not. But at, when you're early in your early days, you will outsource probably all of that, um, whether mm -hmm. it's you're paying, for your, paying your employees and doing your payroll, um, getting your, your payroll taxes properly filed. Your accountant will probably do that for you. You're probably not going to want to do that yourself. Again, it's really specific knowledge that can take you a lot of time to figure out and take your eye off the ball. Um, so, yeah, all of that stuff. If you look last year, you know, last year with COVID and um, 
we had a, a downturn in a lot of sectors. But one area we did not see a downturn was the staffing industry. Mm. And you start looking at it, this, this, uh, this move towards outsourced uh, individuals to do work for us has been around a long time. And it has, it'll, it's going to continue to accelerate. It's a, uh, I think that, you know, with COVID behind us pretty much at this point, um, people having their own businesses, you know, working from home, providing support services to other businesses, it's absolutely here to stay. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, there's, there'll come a point financially where it makes sense to bring it in-house. Prior to that point, you'll probably subcontract it. Yeah. Uh- Kind of any uh, other parting words for, I mean, growth is a, a huge topic that we talk about, you know, constantly in our publication. And uh, I really appreciate some of the uh, guidance and advice you've given. Do you have any parting words for some of those uh, smaller or even mid-sized franchises who are looking to add units? Well, for dual, it's not for everybody. I mean, you know, not everybody, you know, I, everybody thinks they want to grow, but actually, you know, not everybody really wants to grow. I think the thing that people need to understand is it costs money hmm. to grow. So if you have a business and you're putting hundred K a year in your pocket and you want to grow, you're going to put less money in your pocket next year because you're going to be spending money on that new location on new employees. And, uh, and, and so you have to invest money. I, I, I worked for a guy many, many years ago. And he said, when a business makes money, when a business makes a dollar, there's only three things you can do with that dollar as an owner. One is you can take it home, buy dinner. Two is you can pay down your debt. Or three is you can invest it for growth. But the thing is, you can't do all three things. You have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're going to choose growth, you're not going to be taking some of that money home. It's going to cost you money to grow. But the goal, of course, is longer term to have a much larger business that throws off more cash flow and that has greater asset value when you choose to sell it. Um, but there's a cost of time, effort, focus, and money to get there. And uh, if you're driven to get there and you're willing to replace yourself and grow, it's a wonderful thing to do. And it can have a wonderful lifestyle for those people who build businesses like that. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but be ready. Be ready for what it takes. Awesome. Excellent uh, advice to keep in mind. Um... Much like our interview uh, before, I I sure appreciate it. And um, it's great stuff. So thank you. Thank you.